As we start this new series, I want to begin by asking a question to all of you here today. How many of you, when you've been driving or going somewhere, have ever gotten lost? Anybody ever gotten lost on their way to a destination? Good. I am not alone. (laughs) You know, in today's day and age, it's actually kind of difficult to get lost, isn't it? with smartphones that have GPS and navigation on, you know, everyone has a smartphone nowadays. And even when you do get lost, you take a wrong turn, your phone talks to you and encourages you, says, don't worry, recalculating, turn left here. And you feel good about yourself and you don't get frustrated. But before the days of smartphones and GPS, you know, I used to get lost all the time, especially when I would head into downtown Buffalo. I hated driving into the city because I would always get lost. All of the one-way streets down there, I'd get turned around and I would like, I don't know where I am, I just wanna get home, I wanna find my way back, right? How many of you remember the days when you would go on a long trip of the AAA triptychs? How many of you know what I'm talking about? I remember when we drove to California, when we moved there in 1990 and then did the same thing when we moved back in 92, my dad went to the AAA office and I went with him and he told them where we were going and they would give you booklets of maps that they would highlight the route page by page of the route that you were supposed to take. But if you weren't paying attention and didn't pass that page quick enough, you'd miss your turn and then you'd have to figure out how do I get back to the route that I was just on, right? And when you're lost, what are you thinking? Like, I just wanna go home, I just wanna go home right? You know, it reminds me of a story that I heard this week of a guy that had a couple years ago was going out to lunch with some friends of his. They went out to Taco Bell. And so they get their order, they sit down and they're just shooting the breeze. And when they see this guy walk in, kind of disheveled looking and walks up to the counter and orders one taco and pulls out some change and pays for his taco with quarters. And then he sits down, kind of shaking his head, looking disheveled and not sure what's going on. And these guys are watching him and he's got the whole restaurant to sit down and he chooses to sit down right next to this group of guys. And after taking a bite of his taco, he just turns to them and looks and says, "Um, by any chance, do any of you know Michael? And they're just looking at him like, Michael who? Like, who are you? You got a last name? Can you help me out here? Like, what are you talking about? And they're kind of confused as to what is going on with this guy who's obviously had a little bit of a rough night. And so he takes another bite of his taco and, you know, turns to them again and says, I'm sorry, guys, but I'm not from around here. And um, I actually went to a party last night and kind of passed out in the woods back here and woke up. And I have no idea where I am or how I got here. And I'm actually wondering if you guys could help me find my way back. And so these guys were wanting to help him out. So they said, sure, we'll help you. And they kind of loaded him into his car. And they're like, can you remember by like, you know, what you see around here, where you came from maybe? And he started kind of piecing together what had happened the night before by seeing landmarks that looked familiar to him. He, oh, turn right here. And he's, he's looking for the next landmark to figure out where to tell these guys to go. He looks in the you know, out the window of the car and sees a glimpse of himself in the side view mirror. And he says, oh no, man. And the guys are like, what? He's like, I had a beard and it's gone. (laughs) The dude was so messed up and gotten so wasted the night before that not only did he pass out in the woods, he didn't realize that somehow somebody had shaved his beard during the course of the night. And so eventually they did find him his way home. And it reminds me that As much as that might seem like a crazy story, and we might want to pass that off as something that we would never experience, you know, I would never get that wasted and pass out in the woods and all that stuff, I would suggest to you that I don't know his story is a ton different from most of our stories. What he was experiencing physically, most of us at some point in our lives experience spiritually. 
where we wake up one day and we realize, like, how in the world did I get here? How do I find my way back home, back home to God? That is a universal experience that every human being on the planet experiences at one point or another in their lives. And that's what this series is all about. Finding your way back to God is intended to be somewhat of a roadmap, if you will, for every traveler on this journey that we call life. All of us feel lost at one point or another on this road, and sometimes we feel really lost, and sometimes for a really long time. And I know for myself, maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but there have been many times in my life where I've gotten off course, and I've made decisions that have resulted in me being in a place that was far from God. And if that's you here today, we're going to talk about how we find our way back to God. And if you're here today and you've never had a relationship with God, never, no, don't, like, find my way back to God. I've never been with God. So, like, how do I even begin? We're going to talk about that throughout this series. And whatever God talk that people use to describe this journey back to him, most would agree it comes down to a simple yet overwhelming longing that we all just want to go home. We want to find our way home. We want to feel personally connected to the one who made us, to the one who knows us better than anyone else, to the one who can help us. We feel powerfully drawn to move toward God. Even if you don't believe there's a God, there's this longing, like, is there a God? Like, could I be connected to him? Could I know him? Even if we have trouble putting into words what that means or what that looks like. This series and the book that it's based on is based on this principle that not only is the longing for God universal to every human being, there's also a universal pattern for what a journey in his direction looks like. Not only that, but I believe that God wants to be found even more than you want to find your way back to him. Now, if you've been far from God for a number of years, you may not believe that, and that is totally okay but I do. I don't believe it's an accident that you're here today. For some of you, I believe that God brought you here today for the very reason that you could begin to hear his voice, begin to speak to you and say something like this. I know who you are. And I know that your journey has taken you to places where I never intended you to go. That life has brought you pain I never intended you to feel. That you've experienced regrets that I hoped you could have avoided. I know you feel lost, but now I would like to bring you home. I believe that's why some of you are here today, so that you could hear your heavenly father begin to call you. Now, many of us can look back at a time in our lives where we can kind of point out and say, that's where I got lost. That's where I forgot about God. Or maybe we look back and say, that's the time where I feel like God forgot about me. Maybe it was the point in your childhood when God should have been there for you and he wasn't. And behind closed doors, you were left vulnerable to the kind of treatment that no child should ever have to endure. It felt as if God was kind of locked out of your life and wasn't allowed in, couldn't get in. Or maybe it was the day the fighting escalated and dad was yelling and mom was crying and then the door slammed and your dad left to never return again. And as much as you were a child at that point, you didn't see God leave at that point in your brain. That was the point at which you feel like maybe he walked out on you too. Or maybe it was during your growing up years when you forgot about God, that time when you desperately needed to belong and be accepted and yet you found yourself on the outside looking in, isolated and alone. And 
it made sense to you even then that if God was good, he wouldn't have abandoned you like that. Or maybe there was a loss or a death that you experienced in your life that God could have prevented, but for reasons that you still don't understand, he didn't. Perhaps right now it feels as if God has forgotten about you, that something has gone terribly wrong in your life, and you've prayed and you've prayed, and yet nothing changes. Or maybe you've done something wrong. A lot of times we can, through our own choices, our own decisions, our own actions, take a detour and wind up off course and find ourselves in a place that is really far from God. You've put the distance between you and God and you know it and yet you don't know how to begin the process of taking your first step to find your way back to him. Don't know how to bridge the gap. Or maybe you're here today and you're somebody who has objections to the faith. Maybe you have intellectual objections to doctrine or to the church. Or maybe you've been exposed to some Christians that have really rubbed you the wrong way and have given you the wrong idea of what Christianity is really all about. Some of us have been distant for a really long time. And we've gotten so lost that we've begun to identify with our lostness. We, we own that as our identity. We say things like, I'm a relational failure, I, I screw everything up, I'm a failure, or I'm a workaholic, or I'm an addict. We, we own and we name ourselves as the condition of which we're lost, but identity always precedes behavior, and so maybe what you need today is to be reminded of the fact that who you are and whose you are, that you belong to him, that you are his. You're his son, you're his daughter. You know, surveys say, there was a recent Gallup poll that say that somewhere around 92% of Americans believe in God, some kind of a God. So believing that God exists isn't the problem for most of us. The real issue for most of us is in belonging. We've lost that sense of what it means to have a relationship with our Creator, with our Heavenly Father. And so whatever your reason is today for feeling distant from Him, I want to suggest to you as we begin this series that it is possible for you to start finding your way back to him. Now, before I go any further, I want to try to make it as clear as I possibly can what finding your way back to God is and what it is not. Finding your way back to God is not about getting your act together and being more religious. Okay, finding your way back to God is not about cleaning yourself up and just becoming a better person. It's not about eliminating all of your doubts, because listen to me, that's never going to happen in this life. It's not about cutting a deal with God and figuring out a way for you to get him to accept you so that you can make your way into heaven if there is a heaven after you die. So that's not what finding your way back to God is about. Finding your way back to God is for you, though, if you want a power greater than yourself to make it through this life. Finding your way back to God is for you if... You want an unconditional love that's so powerful it transforms the way you think and the way you feel every single day for the rest of your life. Finding your way back to God is for people who desire to love others in the way that they need and deserve to be loved. Finding your way back to God is for people who desire to find the purpose for their life in a way that makes them excited to wake up every day and face the day so that they get to do what they were created to do. Finding your way back to God is for anyone who just wants some hope in this life and hope for the next life. You know, over the last 12 years, there have been hundreds of people who have found their way back to God here at Life Church Buffalo. For some, it was their first time back to God. It was their first decision. 
For others, it was them coming back to God after having you know, strayed away for a season. And for some, it was a radical and dramatic you know, one-time event, and it was awesome. But for others, I've discovered that it's actually a lot more like a journey that involves many steps that occur over many months and even many years of time. This series is based on a book by the same title, Finding Your Way Back to God, written by Dave and John Ferguson. They co-pastor a church in the Chicago area called Community Christian Church. And in preparation for writing this book, they kind of interviewed hundreds of people uh, to hear about their account and their story of what, the, what it looked like for them to find their way back to God. And they recorded some of those interviews, and I wanted to show you a video of just a few of those stories. So take a look at this. My father was an alcoholic, so I grew up in that type of a, of a home. Once I became of age, drinking was just natural. I saw it, I did it, participated in it, got heavy into it. My first marriage was not very successful, and it ended fairly, fairly soon. I had a daughter with my first wife, and I was very into being a daddy. Having my daughter gone was very, very difficult. Uh, and it was probably at that time, as far as from a drinking standpoint, it got a lot heavier. Got married again, got into the same, same habits, same routine. My first marriage lasted five years. I had a daughter, got divorced. My second marriage lasted five years. I had a daughter, got divorced. Didn't really learn from my experiences. It was more a day-to-day, -day, I want to feel good today. However that was, alcohol, sex, success at work, uh, there was no real foundation of anything significant that I was searching for. That was rock bottom for me. I've had two failed marriages in 10 years, two daughters that are no longer with me on a day-to-day -day basis, and I'm by myself at this point. My journey started when I was two years old, and my mom and my um, dad divorced, and I, we had lived with my grandmother for a long time and she had then at the mo at the time gave us an ultimatum to stay with her or to leave and my grandmother and I did not have a good relationship my mother and my grandmother did not have a good relationship I met my ex-husband when I was a junior um, it was great in the beginning I didn't really know who I was though at 16 17 years old to be in, in love or even know what it meant it was just something was missing but I just was so in the moment and wanted like to get married and the whole fairy tale that I kind of pushed those feelings aside. Um, once we had my daughter, it definitely took a turn for the worse. His behavior changed and my behavior changed and I wanted out about a year after. And so I stuck with it for a little bit longer and we went to therapy. And then once I found out I was pregnant with my son, I felt like I was just stuck. You know, I have two kids and I definitely don't want to be a single mom with two kids. So I knew something had to change, and I just kind of went the wrong way to make that change. I had an affair, and then on Father's Day weekend, I had another affair, and the man that I had an affair with ended up being my boyfriend for a few years after me and my ex-husband separated. I think from the beginning of being with a grandmother that treated me like a piece of crap, to now being in a relationship that I'm just destroyed and slept with multiple men, but there was no God. And if he was there, he was not a nice person. 
Uh, I grew up in a, a Christian home um, with two parents who also grew up in, in Christian families. When I was young, about seven, my, my parents moved to a camp in Central Illinois, a Christian youth camp. And that was a really, really cool way to grow up, uh, just surrounded by youth groups and, and Christian kids. And coupled with that, I also grew up in the church, surrounded by a family that uh, didn't just believe it, but they lived it. For me, growing up, uh, the key word I think in my family would be acceptance. Uh, I didn't find that out till later that that was a key word, but it was exactly what I knew growing up. No matter what I did, I would always be loved, um, exactly as I am in any moment. You know, I had a faith, I saw how it had played out in my family's lives, but I did not have a direction, and I did not have a purpose that I felt like I was being pulled towards or, or called to just kind of searching, longing for a fulfillment that it seemed like everybody else in my family had and I just hadn't found yet. So we're going to hear more from those three people as the series goes on, but I want to kind of hit pause on their stories for a moment to ask you about your story. Have you ever felt like the people in that video before? Maybe your story is not quite as dramatic as theirs, but you can identify with that longing that has not been fulfilled, that you go searching in many places to try and satisfy it, but nothing seems to work. You know what it's like to end up in a place that you never intended to be, never wanted to be, and maybe you find yourself saying, there's got to be more than this, there's got to be more. And that feeling of there's got to be more awakens in us longings that lie deep within each of our souls. And this, these longings are universal. This is no matter what age, race, color, creed, ethnicity, everywhere you go, these longings are universal to the human experience. They're so universal that they wind up everywhere we see in life. Everything in culture and in society points to these longings, from the stories we create to the art that we create, to the, to the songs that we sing. In fact, I want to have a little bit of fun with you and kind of prove my point. I'm going to play a few songs, a few clips of a few songs that are going to be really well known. And what I want to do is I'm going to sing along with the clip the first couple words of a phrase, and then it's going to stop, and I want you to finish the line of that song. Are you willing to participate and play along with me today? All right, here we go. Okay, here's the first clip that talks about a longing. Play it. You can't always get, here you go. There we go, oh yeah, okay, that's good. I think we'll get a little bit more participation though in this next genre, one of my favorite songs from one of my favorite bands of all time. Why don't you go ahead and fire that next track. Yeah, there we go. You guys could be a choir. <laughs> Sounds good in here. We're going to go a little bit further back, though, and switch to another genre again, and I think some of you might be able to identify with this next track. Hit it. I was looking for love. Yeah. <laughs> some of you kept singing. <laughs> could probably sing the whole song. See, these familiar tunes, I like to have a little bit of fun. Thanks for letting me do that, kind of lighten the mood a little bit. All of these songs, though, point to the longings that every single person has, such as the longing for love. That's such a common theme in so many of the songs that we hear and know and love. We all long for love. You know, there's a guy by the name of Glenn Wolf who holds the record in the United States for the most number of marriages. 
Anybody want to guess how many marriages Glenn Wolf had? 29 marriages. 29 marriages. His longest lasted seven years. His shortest lasted 19 days. Do you want to know an interesting tidbit? Guess what his profession was? He was a Baptist minister. Isn't that crazy? But what I want to know about Glenn Wolf is why did he keep trying? Like 29 times, like why wouldn't he give up after the fourth one and say, you know what, this just isn't working for me. Maybe I'm not meant to find love. Or why didn't he stop after the 24th time? Why did he keep going? Why do any of us keep going after we've been hurt? Right, relationships are hard. We get dumped, we get hurt, we get divorced, and yet we still keep trying. A friend may stab us in the back, and yet we still wind up risking friendship again by reaching out. Why? It's because every single one of us has a longing for love. What else do we long for? See, there's, there's so many different longings that are common to the human experience, but these three really that I'm gonna talk about today are universal. The next longing is the longing for purpose. Think back to when you were a kid, like four, five, six years old. What is the one question that almost every adult asks you that you would talk about with your friends? What do you wanna be when you grow up, right? Maybe it was an astronaut or a teacher right? A police officer, a firefighter. I wanted to be Jim Kelly and play in the National Football League. Maybe go to the Super Bowl, but win one, right? (laughs) It's not funny. I know it's not. (laughs) But think about it. Like, ask yourself, why in the world were you dreaming about having any kind of a job or profession at all at that age? You didn't need a job at that age. You didn't have any bills to pay. You were learning the alphabet and learning how to spell your name at that point. Why would you even think about what you wanted to be when you grow up? It's because you already had a desire inside of you for purpose. You wanted to make an impact in this world. We all wanna know why we're here and what we're supposed to do with our lives. So we long for love, we long for purpose. We also long for meaning. Answers to the big why questions in life. I think every single one of us at some point or another has asked one or several why questions. Like, why, God, if you're so good, do you allow suffering? Why did you allow this to happen to me? What is the point of life? Why am I here? These big why questions, right? Why am I in so much pain? And listen, if suffering causes you to question God, I want you to think about this for a second. I think there's a reason that suffering doesn't only feel painful, but also wrong and unfair. There's a reason why you feel like your life and the world aren't the way they should be. And that reason, I believe, is because God gave you those feelings. See, God feels the same way. Your desire to see wrongs righted and suffering come to, you, come to an end is put in you by God because you were made in his image. The longing for love, the longing for purpose, and the longing for meaning are things we all experience. We are all hardwired with these things put there by our creator. So the problem isn't that we have these longings or desires. The problem comes when we try to find the answer and the fulfillment to these longings somewhere away from God. That's where the problem comes in. But here's the good news this morning. 
Awakening to these longings and the truth of where they can be satisfied and fulfilled is the first step of your journey of finding your way back to God. That's the good news here today. And so in the beginning of this message, before I came up, you heard a very popular parable that Jesus told called the prodigal son. It's found in Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verses 11 to 16. And I'm not going to read it to you again, but I'm going to kind of point out a couple of verses to you as I paraphrase the story. It's considered by many people to be one of the greatest short stories ever told in literature. And it's a story of a lost son who has this longing of there has got to be more. And so he goes to his father and asks his father for his portion of the inheritance because I want it right now. I want what's coming to me now. See, what you need to understand about this, though, is that in first century Middle Eastern culture, (laughs) that's all right. In the context of first century Middle Eastern culture, A son asking for his inheritance early was one of the most disrespectful, offensive things he could have ever done to his father. You see, a son in Jesus' day was not only expected to wait until after his father died to receive his portion of the inheritance, but he was also expected to take care of his father in his older age. So by the son coming to the father and saying, I want what's coming to me now, he was basically saying, Dad, I don't care if you live or die. I've got some longings. I know there's more to this life and I'm not gonna find it here, so I wanna go out there. I want what's coming to me now. Now, before we cast this son off as being selfish and just rude and disrespectful, is it possible that maybe he just said out loud what so many of us feel? Because don't we sometimes feel like life isn't bringing us what we hoped for, what we wanted, what we expected, what most of us feel like we deserve? What I'm about to say may surprise you. Thinking and feeling that you want something more is what you should feel. Thinking and feeling that you want something more from this life is what you should feel. Now, Let me pause there and just say it's not, I'm not saying that everything you want is what's good for you because people go after and chase a lot of things that they want that aren't good for them. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is that these longings, this longing for love and purpose and meanings all come from God. And the son in Jesus' story says in verse 13, set off for a distant country. And like so many of us, he was convinced that he couldn't find the answers and the satisfaction to the longings that he had staying put. He had to go find them by leaving his father and leaving his father's house. Now, the story doesn't give us many details as to what actually occurred in this distant land. It simply tells us that the younger son squandered his wealth in wild living. And we're left to our imaginations what wild living would have looked like in Jesus' day. But if the story were written today, we might imagine him running off to Vegas and just living it up, you know, booze, drugs, women, whatever we want. We're just going to have a great time. Wild living, right? But it doesn't take long for him to kind of blow his inheritance. And very quickly, his adventure to find meaning and answers turns into a bit of a nightmare as he runs out of money. And as soon as the money is gone, his friends are gone and he's got no food. He's destitute. And so in verse 15, 
He went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. And he longed, there's that longing again, he longed to fill his stomach with the the slop that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. His longing for love wasn't satisfied in women. His longing for purpose wasn't satisfied in partying. And his journey left him asking all sorts of why questions. Like, why didn't this turn out the way I thought or hoped? Why am I so lonely? Why am I so broke? Why am I so empty inside? God, how did I get here? Have you ever said that? Does that sound familiar? How in the world did I get here? I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. It does to me. Maybe your story isn't quite as dramatic as that. Maybe it's more dramatic. I don't know. Maybe it's not as painful. Maybe it's more painful. But the reason I think Jesus told us this story is so that we would all know how to find our way back home back home to him, to a relationship with God. And to me, this brings us back to kind of life's central question. If you consider these longings being universal to the human experience, it's a question that you're going to have to answer over and over again many times in your life. And that question is this, where will you go to satisfy these God-given longings that every single one of us has? Because these longings will either draw you close to God Or like the prodigal son, you feel like you've got to go away from God to find the answers to the questions that you have, to find fulfillment and satisfaction to the longings that you have. And so today, as we start this new series and we begin talking about finding your way back to God, realize that, yes, it's about our first step back in the direction of finding your way back home to God, but it's also about the many steps on this journey of finding our way back. Because if you think about your journey, yes, there was a decision if you're a follower of Jesus Christ where you turned your life over to him, where you recognized your need for forgiveness, so you turned away from the direction you were going and you started following him. But this journey included many steps and a process of continually finding your way back to God. Think about your journey. I know I think about mine when I prepare messages like this and I realize that there are many times where I've wandered away from God time after time where I've forgotten about God, thought I could do it better on my own, thought that God wasn't there for me, didn't answer my prayer like I wanted him to or expected him to, time after time where I've turned my back on him. And so for their book, you know, the author, the authors interviewed hundreds of people, and in doing so, they found this, this series. Like I said, not only is this desire and these longings universal, but the the path of finding your way back to God, there's, there's a, a pattern that seems to happen over and over again. There's these five awakenings that they talk about in the book. In this series, over the next five weeks, we're going to talk about each of these five awakenings that seem to occur in almost everyone's spiritual journey of finding their way back to God. And by exploring these awakenings, we hope that it will help you find your way back to God for the first time, or maybe if you're like me, finding your way back to God one more time or taking one step closer to him. Today we're talking obviously about the first of the five awakenings, which is the awakening to longing, which is all about recognizing our longing for love and purpose and meaning all come from God and can only be found and fulfilled in God. 
Next week, we're going to talk about the awakening to regret, where we come to the realization, man, I wish I could start over. In week three, it's going to be awakening help when we have the revelation that, man, I cannot do this on my own. I need help. Awakening to love is week four, where we realize finally, man, God really must. He must love me after all, just as I am. And then the last week, we're going to talk about the awakening to life, where we realize that he came to give us not just eternal life, but abundant life here and now, where we get to finally step into our purpose uh, for his, his purpose for our lives. And we said, now this is living. So that's going to kind of be the roadmap of the series. And I want to invite you to go on a journey with us across these five weeks. It's based on the story of the prodigal son, which we're going to keep coming back to throughout the course of the series. What I hope we'll all see, no matter where you're at on your journey of faith, is that the story of the lost son is all of our stories. The reason Jesus told the story is to help all of us be able to find our way back to him. You know, there was a 17th century mathematician named Blaise Pascal, who was considered by many to be one of the greatest intellectual minds in the Western civilization. He grew up with an awareness and a knowledge of God, but wasn't really earnestly following God. And then in a profound middle-of-the-night experience that he had with God, he had a change of heart. And this experience awakened in him a desire to help other people find their way back to God, just like he had. And so Pascal began to challenge his fellow intellectuals to a wager with God. He would dare them to step into a belief about God and see if it didn't change their lives. Pascal explained the wager this way. He said, make a bet that there is a God who loves you. If you are right, he says, you have everything to gain. And if you're wrong, you got nothing to lose, but make a bet that God is real. Yes, it's a gamble, but it's a gamble where you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. If you find God, you find fulfillment in the love that you've been longing for all your life. You find purpose. You find meaning to the answer, the, the questions that you've been asking. That's a big time payoff. So the risk that I want us all to take as we go on this journey together over the next five weeks is this. I just want you to pray as if God is real. Now, if you're you know, not familiar with church, if you're newer to faith or you've not been around this much and, and prayer is something that is kind of foreign to you, then this might make you feel a little uncomfortable, it might be a little awkward at first, but I just want to challenge you to simply have some honest conversations with God where you talk to him as if he is real. And if you don't even believe that he's real, I just want to ask you to maybe suspend your disbelief for the next five weeks. Just say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that wager. I'll take that bet. And pray as if God is really real. For others of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, prayer might be such a rhythm and routine in your life where it actually becomes a little monotonous and rote. But no matter where you are on the spectrum of faith, I want us all to kind of open ourselves up to finding God in a more deeper and, and meaningful way. Like the people whose stories we listened to in the video at the beginning of this message and who have a little bit more to say about their journey back to God and how they started praying. So take a look at this. I would pray, but I didn't know who I was praying to. I wouldn't sit there like I do now and know who I'm talking to. I just kinda, someone's there, so hear me. I knew what I was doing was wrong, uh, but still to, you know, I broke away from it because 
to get back into a relationship with God meant I had to admit to a lot of things. I had to ask for a lot of forgiveness and a lot of internal conviction that was going to take place. I didn't want to do any of that. As I was laying there, I just kept remembering this prayer from a book about a Celtic monk that I loved growing up. My dad introduced me to the author. The prayer that he goes to anytime he doesn't know what to do is, Lord have mercy. And it's just, he repeats it. It just becomes this meditation. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Knowing the whole time and kind of laughing at myself that like, I really don't deserve this, but asking anyway and receiving it. No matter what your background is, I hope that you'll accept the challenge to pray with us during these next 30 days as if God is real. Whether you call yourself a Christian here today, whether you're Jewish, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, or none of the above, we can all find our way back to God. It doesn't matter if you're straight, if you're gay, if you're lesbian, if you're sexually questioning. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're a tight-fisted conservative or a bleeding-heart liberal or something in between. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, widowed, or divorced. Every single person here can find their way back to God. Because there's a God out there that longs to know you, to love you, and give your life purpose and meaning. To get there, though, you're going to have to take a risk. And maybe you're not even sure that God is out there and that he's waiting for you to come back to him. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Like I said, I want all of us to pray as if God is real every single day for the next 30 days. And here's the first of the of five prayers that I'm going to ask us to pray over the next five weeks as we go throughout the series. We're going to pray five different prayers that go along with each of the five awakenings. I want you to take Pascal's wager that he challenged his intellectual friends. I'm going to challenge you with today as well. And the first prayer goes like this. If you would join us for the next 30 days in praying this, God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing from my life. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Could you pray that with us for the next 30 days, for the next seven days as we Kick this series off. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Because you've got everything to gain. Now, if you decide to purchase this book, which I would encourage you to do, I'm six chapters into it now. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. I love Amazon. Two-day shipping free. It's awesome. Or, um, and at the back of the book, you'll find this 30-day wager. There's an entry for 30 days that you can read. Or... If you don't buy the book, I've also created a web page on our website. So if you want to go to lifechurchbuffalo.com slash yourwayback, you can sign up to have the 30-day wager emailed to you every single day for the next 30 days. I've already signed up for this. I'm going to go on the journey together with you because I'm no different than any of you. And each day of this 30-day wager, whether you find it in the book or you sign up for the daily email, has something for you to think about something for you to journal, and then a simple prayer for you to pray. And that prayer might be as simple as the one you just saw on the screen. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing from my life. I don't care where you are on your spiritual journey. I want all of us to take this together. This might be your very first step, not just back to God, but to God to begin with. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God, or maybe 
today might be your hundredth step back to God again. But I want all of us to take this challenge seriously and to go on this journey together and spend the next week praying every day, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And my challenge for you is this, to let the meaning of that prayer and the words that you say sink deep into your soul. Don't let it be just empty words that you recite. Say the prayer, even if you don't believe in God, just say it in a way that you would anticipate and expect God to show up and and prove to you that he's real and awaken in you the ability to see that he is the thing, he's the one that has been missing from your life. If you're willing to make this wager, God will show you, I believe he will show you that he is indeed the one you've been longing for. So I wanna ask you again, where are you gonna go? to find fulfillment to those longings that you have because we all have them and we're all going to find we're all going to go looking for it somewhere some of us will run to our father to find the answers or some of us like the prodigal son will run away thinking that it's all it's out there it's somewhere out there that I've got to find the answers that I'm looking for where are you going to go could you imagine what it would be like if God fulfilled your longing for love for purpose and meaning to not have to constantly go chasing after this love to find the answers that you've been looking for. Can you imagine what it would be like to experience your longings fulfilled? My prayer is that everyone here today would allow these longings to begin a journey where we would all find our way back to God. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in our church, what you're doing in our lives, God. And I know that there are people on all ends of the spiritual spectrum here today, some that have been following you for a long time, and may they be, maybe they feel really close to you today, God. And I pray that you would continue to draw them because no matter how long we've been following you, God, we always have another step to take. But maybe there are people here today who feel so distant from you and aren't even sure that you're real. God, I pray that you would give them the courage to suspend their disbelief for a moment and pray in a way as if you were real, that they would ask you to make yourself real to them. God, that you would awaken in them the ability to see that you are the one that has been missing from their lives. You are the one that will provide the, the answers and the, and the fulfillment to the longings that we all have. Maybe you're here today with all heads bowed and eyes closed and you kind of identify with that lost son who said, you know what, I want what's mine. I want what's coming to me. I need to go and find fulfillment and satisfaction and you've come up empty. And you're here today because you recognize that You need to come home. Jesus told that story and it says the son came to his senses and realized, man, I I had it way better when I was with my father. So maybe right now the Holy Spirit is kind of drawing you saying, you know what, you need to come home. And in that story, when the son decided to return home, he found his father waiting there with open arms who ran out to him to greet him. And I want you to know that if that's you here today, your heavenly father is waiting for you to come home, to turn around, to come back to him, and he will run towards you, throw his arms around you and receive you unto himself and welcome you home as his son or daughter. 
with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you here today and you want to come home to Jesus, you want to be accepted back into the family of God and find your way back home to him, would you just simply raise your hand so that we could pray and welcome you back as you find your way back home to God, as you take your next step towards Jesus? Is there anyone here today that wants to say yes and invite Jesus in and receive his gift of forgiveness? Anyone here today? Lord, I just thank you for the way that you are drawing all of us to yourself. And as I pray that as we go on this journey together for the next 30 days, Lord, that you would help those of us who know you to carry this message of hope and salvation and love and and forgiveness and fulfillment to the people in our world, God. That you would put on our hearts and put a picture in our minds, even right now, of the face and the name of somebody who needs to know that it's not too late, that they're not too far gone, that there is a place where they can find the love they've been chasing, the purpose they've been looking for, the meaning that they so desperately want. And God, if there are people here today who are just not yet ready to take that step, God, I know that you are drawing them and that you're gonna continue to draw them. Your word says that no man comes to the Father unless I draw him. So Lord, would you draw? Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Lord, we thank you for what's going to happen as a result of this series. Lord, I thank you in advance for the the lives that are going to be changed because they said yes to you, who take that step in the direction of finding their way back home to you. Jesus, we love you. We look forward to what you're going to do and what we get to be a part of as your kingdom advances. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. Well, church, I hope that you have uh, found this to be a helpful beginning to this journey that we all go on together. I hope that you'll go on that challenge with me and take the wager and go onto that webpage and sign up for that daily email. I wanna encourage you all before I dismiss you to think about somebody that you could bring with you next week. Somebody who is maybe far from God or doesn't even you know, recognize their need for God. This is gonna be an awesome series where people will have an opportunity to come face to face with the one who created them, the one who knows them, and the one who can give their life purpose and meaning. And listen, one of the best ways that we could all continue to move closer and closer to Jesus as we find our way back to him is to do life with other people who are on the same journey together. So I just wanna encourage those of you who wanna maybe take some time out over the next five weeks to join a discussion with other people around this topic as we dive deeper into these five awakenings to um, go on to lifechurchbuffalo.com forward slash groups and look for a group that's going to be meeting near you and maybe on a night of the week that works with your schedule so that we can all grow together on this journey of finding our way back to him. Church, I love you so much. I hope you have an awesome week and we'll see you next Sunday. God bless.